Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hey everybody, this is Studio C41 and I'm Bill Manning and we are here for another one-on-one interview. Um, I'm just, before we start off, it's been a while and I kind of want to fill you guys in on what exactly is happening. So um, the one-on-one interviews have been uh, a little blank in between because we're getting ready to move into video, the video production and all that and lining up with people. So we're going to probably be going to like a, um, a back to the old every other week uh, format. Um, so just a heads up on that. Uh, so if you want to, you can find us on YouTube, uh, Studio C-41, and uh, give us a subscribe and, and follow us. So we're going to be putting up a video hopefully pretty soon. So uh, check that out. So uh, before all that, um, we have M from Emulsive. Good, sir. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Bill. It feels like ages, like a whole year since I was last on. I think so. And, you know, <laughs> honestly, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you back on the show. I'm, thank you for even taking the time out of your super, super busy schedule and being Santa Claus and in this uh, wonderful season. <laughs> ho 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 <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what to say when people say that to me so just ho 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 it's uh, <laughs> a, a tepid but a a heartfelt response promise well you know i'm just gonna go ahead and flat out say it uh it may seem like a whole bunch of work for you and all that stuff but what you guys what you're doing for this community is amazing uh, it makes the film community even more fun. And that's, I think, probably one of the biggest reasons why we're seeing more and more f- film photographers either coming back or shooting it for the first time because of that sense of community, fun things that are happening. And I don't see this kind of stuff happening in, in digital, to be honest with you. Um, so, I mean, is there even a digital community? I've been doing this for nearly 10 years, and I don't think I've really come across a, a community like this ever. It's a weird one, right? I had a I had a similar conversation a couple of weeks ago, just um, about various uh, pockets of film communities, whether it be um, focused around specific podcasts or websites, forums, or, or even just um, uh, just formats. I mean, the the, the instant guys that they 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 jump across so many different instant uh, forums and Facebook groups and websites and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean. Um, I, I see loads of digital people obviously congregating around places like DP Review and yeah. uh, in the comments section of, of various nameless websites. But the, the community <laughs> seems to be, if, if that's the right word, is is more, I think it's more just a bunch of um, angry men just pointing sticks at the sky and just jabbing jabbing randomly and just, <laughs> just, just being grumpy with each other. And if, if, if anyone listening... Um, is aware of uh, another large digital community that isn't like that. Please let me know because um, uh, I'd like to. I'd like to join. I'd like to see what those guys are all about. Absolutely, very cool. Well, um, you have made some traction um, in a very positive way uh, with this new film that Kodak had put out. Um, 
something what is it kodachrome or no is it bear color or what is it well i can't remember which one of this one that they put out triax triax awesome (laughs) i'm very very excited to uh to uh try that one out i guess all the uh the film grains are in the shape of an axe i guess I don't know. Yeah, it's for lumberjack. It's, it's, it's a specific <laughs> lumberjack only film. It, it, it renders um, kind of uh, uh, red, black, and white checkered shirts uh, especially well. Yodica, are you hearing time. this? Are you hearing this, Yodica? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, uh, Ectochrome. It's been it's been a busy few weeks um, on on the Ectochrome front for me. Yeah, um, a couple of cockups and a couple of successes. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been really interesting getting to grips with a with a truly new film as opposed to just a film that's that's um, new to me. Um, so it, uh, my 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 first my first attempt, so I, I managed to uh, score a few roles from a US um, online store. Managed mm-hmm. to get the, the film kind of early part of October, which is really cool because I, I thought I'd been really slow in getting my pre order done. And I, I went out and I shot a couple of roles, the idea being to do like a side by side. And, and I realized when I got back that the, every one of the comparison roles that I'd shot, I'd shot on a constant shutter speed. So I, instead of just moving the dial on my, my FM3A to A, it was on one four thousandth of a second. So I'd shot the, just everything, the whole thing. At one four thousand, wow! Multiple, yeah. And I mean, I, I was kicking myself so hard, my legs got tired. I ended up getting other people to kick me just on my behalf. It was so <laughs> so frustrating. Um, but I, I managed to go out and do a few more shots, a few more rolls. So um, EI one hundred, EI two hundred, EI four hundred, EI eight hundred, um, and then X Pro. Very cool. Well, all right. So um, for those that are not uh, terribly familiar with the EI, what exactly does EI stand for? Okay. So um, quite often when we're talking about about sh- pushing film specifically or about shooting film, mm-hmm. we'll say like, you know, I shot this Portra 400 at ISO 400. <clears throat> um, and it, it's something that I did for years years and years and years up until just just a few years ago um it's wrong uh, so the iso relates to the speed of a film so that is a standard that determines the sensitivity of a film so the speed the sensitivity cannot be altered mm-hmm. what can be altered is how well how you shoot it so the exposure index um so it would be if you look at emulsive.org and you go to the, the photography on there everything is stuff like you know shot on kodak triax 400 at ei 400 800 1600 um so the iso tells us the speed of the film the ei is what we shoot it at now to confuse things even more <laughs> obviously when when we have a camera, let's say if I take one of my Nikons, um, it has an ISO dial. Um, right. So the, the dial that we use to tell the camera's meter the speed of the film. Um, so <laughs> you, know, you have to adjust the ISO dial to set your EI. EI is a, a concept, it's a terminology. All right, good to know. Very is, cool. is, that, is that just as clear as mud? Or, or <laughs> it made sense to me. So, 
I did. So, uh, you went out and shot this. Um, the the question that had come up so many times was, you know, how do you push this? Um, you know, put how to is actually quite easy, but um, you know, how does it look like pushed? Um, how does um, this film look like when it's cross process? Because um, when I shot this, you know, I shot it at you know initially I had two roles, so I just wanted to get the experience, get a feel for what this film uh, is like. So I took it into a studio environment and, uh, um, and shot it and I was very pleased with the results. So you kind of went into the realm of uh, pushing this film. You actually have developed some preferences as far as how you want to shoot this film. So uh, explain to me uh, the pushability uh, of this. So you, you did it uh, at EI 200, 400 and 800. What were some of the things that you had to take into consideration when you were pushing this film? Um, shutter speed, really. Um, aside from that, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you when you when you push a film, obviously, you're you're you're, you're essentially you're you're underexposing the film, and then you're compensating for that with um, extra development. So let's say if I take we, we take the ectochrome, so it's an ISO 100 film. So if I if I push that to 800, and that is essentially EI 100 to 200, 200 to 400, 400 to 800. So that gives us it's three stops. So I'm underexposing the film by three stops of exposure, and then I'm push processing it, so extending the time to develop it. Um, to, to, to compensate for that underexposure. Um, Kodak, uh, in their materials, they state, if you're shooting that film between one ten thousandth of a second and uh, one, uh, no, 10 seconds, you don't need to make any exposure compensation. So I would say the only, the only thing that you need to worry about if you happen to be shooting it um, uh, at 800 in a ridiculously bright environment is that if your shutter speed does or somehow can go above um, one ten thousandth of a second, either physically or, or via the use of, of ND filters for equivalence and stuff like that, you might need to consider reciprocity. That, that, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, um, I was shooting two films at the same time, so 100 plus 200 and then uh, 400 plus 800. Um, just remember to set the ISO dial to whatever you want to shoot. Remember to label the um, the can afterwards, um, and just shoot as you normally prefer to shoot for slide film. Uh, whether you're metering for the uh, highlights or whether you're metering for the shadows, whatever your whatever your preference is. Very good to know, and I know that. Um from a development side of it, I know you, you had it sent off to a mini lab and I, I did a bit, a little, a little bit of research on this. And, um, mm-hmm. for those that do any kind of home processing and everything, uh, what I found that, um, E6 film, uh, the first developer is the only time that it is going to be pushed there. There's two development phases in E6. The second one, um, is going to be at your normal time, but, uh, I've seen in instances at different temperatures, uh, where your time will go up to around eight minutes to 10 minutes uh, on that first developer. So I think the film photography project, um, has a really good, uh, instructional on how to push it at least one stop. So, 
Um, I can imagine mm-hmm. that the time, you know, can be nearly exponential at that point. Maybe, you know, looking at 15 minutes uh, for a three-stop push in that particular case. But everything else after that, uh, the second developer, the um, the blicks and the stabilizer, all that remains the same. It's just the first developer um, that does the extended time. So for anybody that's wondering about that. So, all right. So, um out of curiosity, what have you found? Um, you, you got really crazy stuff happening at really high speeds. And honestly, you know, it is a, a little bit of a, a, a lower resolution just from the Instagram. But, f- I, dude, I was blown away by 800. Like, I was like, it actually looks, ve- it's very contrasty, but I absolutely love the look of it. Yeah. So when you got deeper into that, that image and you got it under a loop what uh what all were you seeing at some of those speeds like kind of just walks through from 200 400 and 800 well the 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 biggest thing i guess that you'll see as you as you go through um various additional stops of push processing is the rebates so the 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 edge markings on the negative and and thankfully kodak were, were kind enough to provide um yellow edge markings so what we can do is take a really strong, um, almost like a light orange or, a, or a, a, a kind of medium orange tint on a normally processed roll, and then compare that as you go to 2, 4, and 800, and essentially it goes transparent. So it goes to a light orange, it goes to a yellow, and then it goes to essentially just completely transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a, a certain loss in the um, saturation, so the film does become a little bit more muted, especially in its representation of whites. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a completely separate gut feel that um, the film will probably pre- perform even better just overexposed by about a third of a stop. And, and that's, I would say, almost uh, unheard of to actually kind of overexpose slide film. I've always been told to kind of err on uh, one stop under. So that's kind of uh, interesting that you you do have a little bit more play to go up. Yeah, I mean, I could be I could be completely wrong and and bear in mind that I'm shooting um outdoors in essentially bright well i was shooting outdoors in bright um autumnal sun just after midday so depending on your latitude essentially where you are in the world what time it is it may respond completely differently and that that's one of the really wonderful things about this um and what what i'm slowly trying to do is is collecting a map of different people um having shot this film with an idea of where they were in the world and and what time because i'm sure that some some guy shooting in the outer hebrides up in scotland at uh, you know 4 p.m. for a sunset is going to have a really different experience from someone shooting midday in melbourne sure yeah no that's very right. very good point um or or even let's say at the same time of the day in melbourne so um so yeah i think it's going to be it's going to be interesting but the the bigger takeaways for me were that the the film it 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 um benefits from some additional kind of blue and 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 purple tones um as you start pushing it which gives the impression of a, a feeling of more saturation or a more a more vivid experience and you can see that in the examples of the flowers at uh, one and two and then four and eight hundred um when when you get to 800 i mean that's a real <clears throat> it's a real real uh 
it's a real outlier, I think, because when you when you look at the negs underneath the loop, the shadows are essentially um, browns and purples and maroons. They're not um, they're not black at mm-hmm. all. Interesting, you know. I, I, so it's kind of um, so you got all kinds of crazy aberrations that were taking place uh, at at that. Uh, higher speeds around 800. So what was kind of like the sweet spot for you? Uh, for me, and I, I, I did say this before we came on out, I think, mm-hmm. um, I think it's around 200 for me, for mm-hmm. me. Um, I like the results at 100. I slightly preferred some of the results at 200. Um, my, I, I need to go back and, and look at the results of those roles as well as a couple of other, the others that I've shot as well, just to, just to confirm where those differences happened. Um, and it, I, I, I would say in the future, just shoot for a specific use case. So mm-hmm. if I like the 200 shots and they all happen to be, um, you know, I don't know, 50% of the shot has shadow and I prefer those ones, then I'll, I'll next time I go out and shoot the film, if I'm going to be shooting texture from you know, for external architecture, then I'll probably push it to 200. Um, if landscapes came out lovely at 100, then I'll probably do that. But my, my gut feeling is um, 200 may be, may be overexposed, maybe rated at 320. Um, I think that's going to be my sweet spot. Very cool. Yeah, I, what I found, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised when I, <clears throat> when I shot this in the studio. Um, when I metered, uh, so... For those that are wondering, uh, Co- uh, Kodak Professional actually shared it. I was quite surprised by that. But um, <laughs> it was metered at 100, but I was a little cautious, and I said, you know what? I don't want to blow this out completely, uh, so let me just go ahead. Um, I, and I trust my meter, but I went ahead and went a stop under. And I was so happy that uh, I had underexposed it by a stop in that in that session um and everything came out spectacular on that entire role i was very happy with it i'm still uh and i compared it to provia and um and i haven't really shared it because uh the initial scans that i got back from it were not pleasing but i don't want to jump the gun and say it's garbage because i've I've shot Provia before. The images look spectacular, but uh, I think my scanner was just having uh, some issues um, with the colors and everything like that. So I want to give it a fair shot and, you know, put it under a scanner and actually, you know, send it off to somebody most likely and just uh, have have them. So, like, uh, I know I've received a a very nice message from uh, the folks over at uh, the Fine Lab and... um, and they said, oh, you must be uh, scanning this under a frontier. And I said, actually, yes, you are absolutely right. And so they uh, said, oh, well, um, you know, we've had some great results uh, scanning this under a uh, Noritsu. And uh, I said, yeah, but those Noritsus are like a unicorn out in the forest. You know, if you can come across one, you better not like have a you know, ask, ask for a forgiveness type of situation because you, you're going to come across one and you'll probably kick yourself in the butt if you don't ever uh, commit to it, especially. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of 
considering uh, sending it out and getting it scanned under a Noritsu and give it a fair shake before I can really start um, giving it a uh, a review because I don't think that's fair uh, against Fujifilm, Provia, and Velvia or like their two uh, main chromes that are out in the in the wild for the longest time. So I know Velvia fifty uh, dethroned Kodachrome. So I mean that's mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the the big things about uh, these chromes. So. Um, all right, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, you wrote another article uh, called uh, A Brief History of Ectochrome, and uh, Kodak Professional ran this one as well. And um, tell me a little bit about this uh, this article, because I found it fascinating, but I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, this article and, uh, you know, how did you come across finding all of this information? So, um a few, a few months ago, I, I decided to start putting together um, histories of uh, film companies. <clears throat> and I started off with uh, a brief history of Polaroid, which happened to be, and this was really a complete coincidence, happened to be at roughly the same time um, that the new One Step 2 was announced and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And for that, it was just a lot of a lot of digging, a lot of um, deep research, a lot of looking into uh, publications which are now scanned and available on the web, um, as well as websites, Wikipedia, all of the usual stuff, and, and reaching out to a few friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to do more, but I I don't have the time. Um, so just with managing. You know, the editorial stuff for Emulsive, which is five articles and five pictures a week and doing Secret Santa and all of that kind of stuff. It's just crazy. So I enlisted um, the help of a chap called uh, Cheyenne Morrison, um, who's, uh, he goes under the, um, uh, under the handle of Big Shot Photos on Instagram and on, on Twitter. He's um, a complete Polaroid um, slash ectochrome slash Zeiss lenses. Well, no, he's just a complete, just film history buff. Whether it's media or hardware or just just mm-hmm. crazy, crazy stuff. Um, and yeah, Shine and collaborate. Uh, Shine and I collaborated on putting the article together. He did most of the legwork, which was fantastic. Um, I pulled out some additional information about its. Uh, pre-consumer military use uh, during World War II, um, and some of the stuff about the uh, the infrared and and, and color infrared versions that that existed, and there, there's still quite a bit of information to to put into there. There's a lot. It's <laughs> so much data to go <laughs> through. I mean, I, I think the the earliest document I have is um, it's. Late forties, it's uh, late forties, early fifties. It's uh, university research done on behalf of the U.S. government, mm-hmm. um, and it's um, land surveys and crop surveys, and um, there's a whole bunch of color infrared stuff out there. And that you know that stuff wasn't made available to the public mm-hmm. um, for years, for wow. for decades, decades after World War Two. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun putting it together and just just going through just all of these like crazy crazy versions and it's it's kind of you get to think all right is this is this particular stock um, did this come out was this research was this put together because there was a real need for this mm-hmm. or there was some kind of need to 
diversify the product offering. And and the the, the the most perfect example of that is Ectochrome Underwater. I think it's Ectochrome Underwater 200, <laughs> which is it's like <laughs> just thinking like how yeah, how many people are out there shooting slide film underwater um, to 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 actually warrant this. This product to be, you know, <laughs> being released is just point zero 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 one percent of the entire market. <laughs> it's it's just hilarious. But <laughs> once they they nailed that that first <clears throat> public ectochrome, mm-hmm. um, there, there was probably about 20, 30 years where there were small increases in in speed. There were slight in- differences in in formats being released and stuff like that. Um, and then you get to the 70s and 80s, and I mean, they just exploded um, with the various uh, tungsten balanced, daylight balanced, fast films, slow films, you know, highly mm-hmm. specialized films. And it just, it just, for me at least, it made me think about the the depth of the market um, and really the 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 kind of um, breadth of the types of pictures that digital cameras have been trying to replicate taking in the same level of detail, you know, so chasing high ISOs, chasing high dynamic range, chasing low ISOs, chasing accurate color rendition, uh, reproduction and stuff like that. I mean, you look at something like, I think when was it? You know, 92, 92, well, 90 to 95, let's say. I mean, there were six new versions of Ectochrome. And we're not talking about, I think, actually from within that, yeah, yeah, in, in those five years, not one single um, product was was discontinued. So there was a new uh, uh, ISO 50, a new ISO 100, a new mm-hmm. ISO 400, ISO 320, a 1600 film as well. Yeah. Um, they even yeah, had a just, color infrared uh, as well. I mean, that was, I mean, the diversity that uh, Ektachrome had was just mind-blowing i mean i I, again referencing back to you know how many people are in the market that you know uh would need a underwater ectochrome you know you'd also have to think about you know commercialized ectochrome eir you know like how many people are going to go oh let me do that because now people are going oh my god oh my god i need to get my hands on this and you know there's only you know a very very small handful of people that can source this um but uh you know it's it's one of those things back then it's like kodak was just making everything at that point and i right. never realized right. how how much diversity ectochrome had back then that that, that was the most mind blowing part about this particular article yeah i think if you look at it from the from the very beginning it it looked like it was introduced as a um as a potential successor to Kodachrome, I, I think mm-hmm. even even back in the in the, the, the the late fifties, early sixties, I think Kodak had an awareness that the process for um, for Kodachrome just it was just too complicated. It required yeah. too much interaction, um, and it, it wasn't it wasn't going to be working moving forward. Um, and the fact that Ectochrome, uh, sorry, Kodachrome managed to stick out for as long as it did is is kind of a testament to the to the few people who were left um, using it. Um, but the, the really interesting thing going through it is looking at all of the different, um, the emulsion numbers. So looking at the the, the stuff that was produced um, specifically for NASA. So, you know, Ectochrome, what is it? SO, 
368. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, th there are so many of these version numbers that, that we will never know about um, because they either weren't documented correctly or they were just produced for specific one-off requirements. Yeah, one-off um, or something. Right, and you've, you've got stuff like the... Um, the you know, EIR, the Ectochrome Infrared, so the color infrared. Um, I can I can totally understand that becoming a consumer product um, after having after having been used as a as a governmental um, academic or a purely business product for mm. what um, three decades I think prior oh, wow. to EIR's release. Yeah, so the the, the first infrared um, Ectochrome. Uh, was made just purely for for aer for aerial survey. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's it's. I'd love to just go back in time, not to meet anyone famous, just to just to go through Kodak's archives, <laughs> just to figure yeah. out actually how many different film stocks just of slide film did they make? Because I, I don't even want to think about black and white. That's just a whole <laughs> that's a whole different lifetime. You know, just researching that. Yeah, I, I was having a conversation with Matt Stoffel. That guy, Matt. Yeah, that guy, Matt. Uh, um, <laughs> no, he he is uh, he is a solid follow on uh, Instagram because the man has just got so much knowledge about um, uh, Kodak, and he just loves talking to anybody about it. I mean, he truly has a love uh, for the the company he works for, and um, uh, we had a conversation, and he said, honestly, I would love to see taking some of these old film recipes and putting them uh, or updating them and seeing what they would look like on the new E-Star base and on uh, the new T-Grain uh, structures. And uh, I was like, dude, that would be amazing. Like I was joking around with him and, and I tweeted this out just to see if there would be any kind of, uh, you know, interest or anything along those lines, but a Vericolor 4, you know, with the new... Right with the new uh, formats today. Like, I think that would be amazing to see, but you know, there's a lot of things that go into that because you know, the color negative, you know, I think was a very color three had like a one sixty, and like that medium yep. speed is, you know, so incredibly super saturated. And, um, and that's probably one of the reasons why we don't see like a two fifty D from Cine still, because there's just so many uh, different, uh, medium speeds out there that is just oversaturated. So I don't know if we'll necessarily see something like say Vericolor four, but uh, it would be amazing to see Kodak just trying it out on on their small production scales and say let's let's take this old recipe and see what it looks like on this new uh, on this new technology. It would be mind blowing. I couldn't imagine what it would be like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I. I... I think of Kodak um, still being in a mode of rebuilding yeah. the business and, and rebuilding the brand. And you can see they're doing a lot of work to get the brand out in front of new eyes, especially in front of people who are too old to have used it, but have a nostalgia for it. Right. Um, in terms of the, you, know, you, you look at the, the Forever 21 collaborations and the stuff that they did last year, uh, was it last year or earlier this year with, with Jigsaw um, on, uh, on uh, um, women's clothing lines and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think once, yeah. <laughs> right, and I, I think once Kodak get the, um, get the bases covered, so we've got black and white, color neg, color slide film, mm -hmm. I think um, 
after that, there's going to be a bit of room for, for, for playing around. I mean, if you look at Portra uh, 160, well, if you look at Portra NC and, and VC, mm-hmm. uh, which were superseded by New Portra yeah. um, back in, starting, what, 2010. So um, the reason cited for that was simplified production lines and um, people don't need the same differences <clears throat> in terms of how they how they choose to shoot for the print they can just edit at the at the print stage mm-hmm. um so i thinking about it rationally I, I don't see um kodak diluting the line too much but i right. can imagine them around and i'd love to see um a slightly more saturated uh, just a color negative film yeah. out there whether whether it's, you know whether it comes out underneath the the portra brand name or whether it's a resurrection of of uh of, of vp of what vps of uh mm-hmm. um and same goes with slide film i think once you know we give it a, give it another uh, 12 to 18 months and um you know if if by that point we have 120 and, and large format films then potentially there'll be a 200 uh, slide film maybe they'll even just be a 400 maybe they'll just forget 200 altogether that'd be interesting i i you know um from kodak lars they have put out a uh there was a faq sheet that came out right at the same time when um right right, right. everything yeah, was released that. out to distributors and they said that they are strongly considering um 120 and sheet film and um, and I've mentioned it on the show before where I'm like, you know what, if they're saying that, then there is most likely something's going to happen with that. Um, 120 for sure. I have a very good feeling about that. I think 4x5 will take a little bit of time just simply because uh, you don't see too much of 4x5 uh, floating around. Um, I, I feel like that would be kind of more of a, almost like a specialty uh, almost because I mean, even getting slide film now from from Fujifilm is still super super expensive. Um, I think uh, well, for you guys, yeah. That's I true. mean, t- to be honest, uh, it costs it costs it's cheaper for me to buy um, Provia 100 and Velvia 50 or 100 uh, in the same volumes as Ektar. It's it's definitely expensive, but I mean, there is an experience. Um, when you pull a four by five uh slide out, and it's it doesn't even have to be Provia or Velvia. Uh, I mean, I've seen some amazing images with the four by five Ektachrome uh, E100G. Um, mm-hmm. and I can't. I've got a box of that in my fridge, actually. Oh my gosh, I'm so incredibly <laughs> jealous. Um, so you can but- have it for three hundred and seventy five dollars. Um, I'll I'll. Mm. No, because <laughs> my wife no. will rip. I, I'm, I'm processing how badly my wife will rip my head off. No, seriously though, I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, what Kodak will do. Um, just let alone with the extra chrome. Um, I think a lot of people are like, okay, 120, 120, 120. I'm like, you. I understand that you really want to see it in 120, but at the same time, it's like the amount of risk that Kodak went to to even make this, to even bring back Ektachrome. I couldn't imagine being in a room with all the, uh, the, the board members and saying, this is what we want to do. And then, you know, try to back that up with something that, you know, how do you 
quantify the interest in film again, right? You know, I can't even imagine the conversations that took place and saying we need to invest and bring this back. Um, so it, just fascinating all in all. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I, oh, sorry, I was, I was going to say it, it, it's really interesting. And I, I look at, um, Kodak's kind of historical form <clears throat> on releasing new film and releasing that film in new formats. And if you look at the most, the, the most recent ish version, let's, let's have a look at Ektar 100. So there was, um, seven to nine months between 35 uh, 35 mil and 120 mm-hmm. and about the same again from 120 to four by five. I mean, the biggest difference between 35 mil and 120 is going to be the film base. Yeah. I, I believe the 120 is, it's slightly thicker and it's, uh, yeah, I think it's slightly thicker. And we're talking, you know, you're talking microns. Yeah. Here. <laughs> um, but it, it's thick enough to require different, um, uh, care and attention when it's being coated and, and all sorts of other stuff. I believe that 120 and four by five, that the base is very similar in thickness, if not identical. Um, but again, you've got, you, you need to chop it up. <clears throat> and if, you know, if, if you look at Kodak's current ability to physically produce films, um, you know, if you have a limited number of lines, and as you say, if you're not sure how one particular line is going to sell, what are you going to, sorry, if you have a, a, a particular number of manufacturing lines and let's say three or four times as many product lines, um, you need to be really sure that you don't alienate the customers who are buying the more popular lines in order to do a vanity project. Right. I'm not saying that Ectochrome here is a vanity project, but until until sales are proven in, in 120, demand is out there, at least people shouting um, for other formats is out there. But until verifiable sales um, come back, I think it's going to be it's going to be very difficult for any, you know, it would be difficult for any company to put their money behind a, um, a gut feel. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Especially when they're, when they're in the process of rebuilding and, you know, people are less likely wanting to take risks uh, on gut feelings. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got to, you've got to take a bit of risk in your approach to, in in your approach to the way that you push the business out, but you, Mm. you can't do that to the detriment of, um, the the business's ability to run itself month on month. Right. And I think having come out of chapter 11 and having had a very difficult time and literally coming out by the skin of their teeth in some respects, mm. um, I think that's something that, that current Kodak management and, and higher ups are very, very aware of. So I, I you know, I, I speak to a, 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 a couple of people there every so often, and there's, there's a real desire to just, you know, just do it. Let's just do it. But mm-hmm. obviously that needs to be tempered because you don't want to just do something and then six months later the company's gone. Very true. Yeah. And m- maybe that's a, a, a bit of a, um, a, an exaggeration, an overstatement <laughs> of, of how things will go if there's a massive cock up. But you sure. just have to be aware that it's, you know, they're, they're doing this because they, they've existed as a business for 130 years and, and no doubt they want to continue to exist as a business for another 130 years. Sure, absolutely. All right, so we're going to change gears up a little bit. Uh, we're going to be talking about this uh, Secret Santa that you're doing. So I think um, this is going to be a really big one, apparently. So uh, the first one was back in 2015, correct? 
Indeed. Yeah. 2015, um, 120, 121-ish people, something like that. It was, um, it, it feels intimate now, but it felt pretty big at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what are, what number are we at this year? Um, the closing count, uh, is now 1,210 people. Holy moly. That, uh, that's, a within just a few years, uh, you have seen 10 times the growth. That is phenomenal. <laughs> M that's amazing. <laughs> It's, it's, it's pretty mad. I mean, we did, let's say 120 for year one, uh, 480 for 480, let's say 460 for year two, um, did 780 for year three and then yeah, 1200, 1200 for, for year four. It's, it's mind boggling. It's incredibly humbling. It's a little bit frightening because I remember how mad year one was. Mm-hmm. And then how mad year two was on top of that. And it's the madness is kind of compounding. So <laughs> um, if, if you don't hear from me on, on social media or if, or if I'm not replying to your emails or if, if you suddenly see just no content on Emulsive for, for two or three months, it's because I'm, I'm probably crying in a corner somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, all your hard work is appreciated. I can't take, I can't take full credit for that. Um, since, since last year, I've had, um, uh, help, um, just, uh, administering and, and managing and, and, and just connecting with people and, and chasing up bad centers, um, by, well, from a lovely lady called Iceland Chahiok. Mm-hmm. So Iceland's based in the Philippines. Uh, she runs a film lab. She runs a film sales company. I think she even has a, a brand of, uh, of, of vinyl players, um, oh, cool. as well. So, yeah, Iceland's been a really big help in in just getting the logistical side of things just sorted out, and you know, helping reply to emails and stuff. And and this year, um, Mike Padua from Shoot Film Co. and and Graham um, or Jeremy, whatever you want to call him, from uh, Sunny Sixteen, they've both been helping out in terms of headspace for for dealing with the changes that we've had for this year's format. Oh, that's phenomenal. The 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 two of those guys, uh, even though I. I kind of rag on uh, Graham a little bit, but uh, he he's a great guy, and um, it sounds like you got a really awesome team of folks that are pitching in to help. Um, so we have um, registration has closed, and um, there are some things that are going to be happening in the next few days. Um, so you're in the process of pairing people up. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> Last year, uh, Iceland and I matched everyone manually. Um, wow. It was mad. Uh, we spent we spent the whole weekend literally just on Skype and on Facebook Messenger and on the phone, just just juggling multiple spreadsheets to 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 manage um, how we'd match various people with. Um, you know, people with no profiles and no wish lists and people who wanted to ship internationally and who didn't want to ship internationally and, mm-hmm. and then just mopping up. Um, and that, that was, that was a lot of fun in the, in the biblical sense, I guess. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so this year, the, the whole process for registration, uh, and thus the, 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 the matching process has kind of been pulled, pulled back a bit. So we started about a month early. Um, 
I'm hoping that we're going to be able to finish the matching uh, with the help of Elster, who are the service provider for for, for the actual the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping we're going to be able to get that done by the beginning part of next week. So um, from the beginning part of next week, people should start seeing emails come through to tell them who they've been matched to send a gift to. Awesome. Very cool. So um, for those that are participating, I guess, what um, what are some of the update us on the rules? Uh, what's the best practices and um, and what are some of the big no-nos uh, for, for when we get this all shipped out? Because I know there are going to be some people that are going to be shipping internationally. And um, I know that things happen beyond the sender's control uh, when, when things go out international. So uh, walk us through all that. Right. So um, the, the first thing, I guess, is going to be the minimum gift value. So mm-hmm. you're going to be wanting, uh, wanting to send something out that's got a, a minimum value of, of 20 US dollars. That could be something that you've bought. That could be something that you've made, um, like a print. For example, so if you if you have a darkroom and you do darkroom printing, then send out prints. If you shoot Polaroids, you can send out Polaroids. Mostly, just looking historically, people are sending out uh, film. <clears throat> uh, a lot of people send out cameras as well from 35 mil. I think we had uh, last year we had um, uh, quite a few 35 mil cameras, a lot of 120 cameras. We had I think there were three or four four by five cameras. Wow. Um, I actually went out alongside with Polaroid SX70s and and um, Mint. Uh, what God? What is it called? The 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 um, Instaflex, the TL70s. Very and, cool. Uh, so, <clears throat> whatever you send out, just make sure it works. Yeah. If you're if you're looking to get shots of film that you know is dead or cameras that you know are dead, I mean that that's just it's just a no go. Um, <laughs> it's all about just not only spreading the love of film photography and analog photography in general, but it's also connecting with your fellow human film shooters um, who are, who may well be on the other side of the planet. Um, so aside from filling a, a small box with some film or some cameras, if you do have some to, to, to get a, to, to kind of get shot of that are working, mm-hmm. um, you know, chuck in some local candy, some sweets. I think uh, Andre from, from um, negative positives, uh, his his match. So he's uh, based in North Carolina, working in LA. He got matched with some some dude in in Alaska who sent him salmon jerky. <laughs> That's amazing. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> you believe that? I mean, so that there's all sorts of stuff that 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 people send. But just make it personal. Write a note. Write a card. Send some prints as well as the other stuff. Put a bit of effort into pan into wrapping stuff and please whatever you do don't send something gift gift wrapped via amazon Uh, i will be having words with you that's just that's it's not in the spirit of what we're trying to do good to know so um the timing for all of this um so i guess that's kind of one of the biggest question marks uh that that takes place with uh shipping this out so um when people are sending out international what what's the uh best recommendations for all that well it's funny most um most post uh, postal services globally will say um if you're shipping internationally ship by the uh, second week of december Mm -hmm. 
So they're, they're, they're saying give um, close to about 10 days okay. uh, for it to get to the destination. The reality is, is you want to be shipping as soon as possible. Um, so the advice that we're giving out is when you ship, if you ship internationally, if you ship domestically, um, use a tracked service. Because using a tracked service is going to give you the ability to A, figure out where some, where something is along the line, mm-hmm. B, whether the person has received it, and C, if something goes wrong, you'll be able to get your money back. So that, that, that's, the, that's the first thing. The second thing is send things out as soon as possible. Now, we've tried to um, impress as much on people as we can to say, make sure you have your wish lists done. Mm-hmm. Now, the wish list is just that. It's not a want list or a must have list right it's those wish list items are there just to give you an idea of what kind of <clears throat> what kind of person you're dealing with um they shoot a lot of 120 they shoot a lot of color they shoot a lot of instax um i think for mine i've put a couple of requests on there to say send me some weird and wonderful films um you know send me your your old dodgy lenses in specific mounts and if you happen to have a wide lux Send me a wide lux. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I got one lying around the bottom of my closet somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I took the I took I took the the, the Hasselblad Disticon fifty off there because I ended up buying myself one after after no one else did. Um, but um, yeah, ha- have a have a look at your person's wish list. If they don't have a wish list, um, if they only have a few items, or in fact, if they have a load of items on there, it doesn't matter. There's a direct message function on Elster you should get in touch with them. Just say, hi, I've been matched with you. It's all anonymous. Um, and you can you can just talk to them and just, just find out who they are and what they're about. Awesome. Well, cool. I think um, this is going to be a very successful for year for you. Um, I've been told by many people that they're very, very excited <clears throat> by this. Um, and, uh, I am personally really excited about this and, uh, I I'm participating personally. And then, um, uh, studio C 41, uh, is also going to be participating in this. So who all, uh, as far as the sponsors sponsors that, uh, have participated last year, who all again are, is going to be participating this year as of, uh, today. So as of, uh, what is it? The 10th. 10th of November, I think, when we're recording, yep. um, we have 27 sponsors. Holy moly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. Um, so we have a lot of people who have come on board for the, the, their fourth year running. Um, and we've got a lot of people who've come on for their first year running. Um, or their, the first year running, just the, for their first year. Um, this year's sponsors are, they're slightly different. So in past years, what we've done is we've just said, okay, everyone give out three gifts. And what we will do in the background is randomly match a bunch of people to receive one of those uh, three sponsor gifts per sponsor. So last year we had um, 15, 16 people and we sent out, I think, about 50, 50 odd gifts to, to, to different people. So people will be matched, they'll receive a gift anyway, and then some people will get an extra sponsor gift. Um, <clears throat> in all honesty, that that's it, it got to feeling a bit decadent. And I, I had a I had a plan 
um, as of next year to start um, essentially giving something back to the to the people who are building the community at the at the most grassroots level. And through conversations with Graham um, and a bunch of other people, we decided to do that this year. Cool. So w- what we've done with this year's sponsors is we've still said to, to all of these people, all right, we're giving out three gifts. But instead of instead of giving out the gifts randomly to just to to, to players uh, within the community, what we're asking the the community to do is to nominate um, what we're calling community causes. So these are people, groups, companies who are literally at the grassroots of um, informing, educating, inspiring both this and the next generation of film photographers. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, th- there's, there's so many of them. There are so many of them. Um, and, you know, th- these are the people who are out there. And yeah, they, they, they may be charging for paid courses. They may be doing stuff um, just uh, completely free. They may be doing it as a mixture of that. But we're asking the community to go ahead and just nominate those people. And every time you go to Emulsive, there's a, a big banner at the top of the page. You just click on that. You can read all about it <clears throat> and then just just make your nomination. Cool. So um, in terms of the sponsors, okay, I'm going to try and get this right. So, okay, so we have um, ADOX, the film guys in Germany. Um, we have Analog Wonderland, who started off this year as a as a um, uh, an online uh, film retail uh, outlet for the UK and for Europe. They've now spread into the US. We've got Chroma Camera, Cinestill, Double, Film Folk, Foma Bohemia, as in Foma Pan, mm-hmm. uh, Ilford, Intrepid, Japan Camera Hunter, Kodak Alaris, Kodak Eastman, and Kodak Motion. Uh, we've got Cosmo Photo, we've got Lomography, we've got Mixum, who do who do lovely print services um, in the UK, and they're going to be they're going to be sh- shipping out uh, printing services across the world. Uh, Parallax Co-op, uh, Co-op who are in the UK. We've got Patterson Photographic, as in the the, the dudes who do the tanks. Uh, Photo Classic International, Pixelator from Hamish Gill, Print File, Revlog, Shoot Film Co, Solarcan, Tetanol, Ultrafine, and Washi. Wow. Holy moly, man. That is, uh, jeez. Yeah. That's, I mean, every single one that uh, you've thrown out there, um, I, I, we've talked about them on the show. Um, and that is amazing that they are all participating. That is phenomenal. Uh, totally it, blown away it by is. that. It gets, it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, in and in and amongst all of this, there are still a couple of guys who we're talking to, and there are um, lab services um, who we're talking to as well. So the whole awesome. idea with this is that the the gifts that are going to be going out to sponsors from from the sponsors, they're going to be going out to ultimately to three individuals or groups or organisations. Mm-hmm. One in the Americas, one in in Europe. Um, and Africa, and then one in Asia and Australasia. So the idea is, is that the community goes out there, they they nominate people who do really good work. And ultimately, these people will benefit from, uh, I guess the best the best way you can term it is like a, a, a full spectrum package of gifts. Mm-hmm. And that will be from um, 
chemistry and media. So um, developers, fixers, stop baths, film, paper, uh, through to uh, services that help them to make the most of those lab services and, and what have you not, to products they can use to, to support their work in the darkroom, through to cameras, through to other darkroom gear, through to archival gear, and then finally through to publication and print. So the idea here is to say, okay, we know these people do fantastic work. Mm-hmm. And through this kind of community program, we can help support this work by taking some of the financial burden of the stuff that they that they they pull out of their own pockets. Um, and we're going to be following whoever the nominations um, end up being just to just to look at how they use these sponsor gifts throughout the year and um, you know are they going to produce printed materials are they going to are they going to uh, print their photos? Are they going to use the the cameras and the darkroom stuff to to help enhance the services and the the the, the training and the, the the lessons and the programs that they do at the moment? I think it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. Oh man, that is that is phenomenal uh, to see everybody pitch in like that. And I, again, this is the reason why this community has been fantastic is is just the promoting of growth. Um, for, for everybody in this, um, I, I think it's almost like a, you know, it is a cottage industry, uh, with a lot of these, uh, smaller companies, but man, they are really pouring out their hearts into this community and the community just returns it right back to them. So that's, I'm blown away. I really, I am speechless, uh, by all. Yeah. I mean, same here. I mean, the, the, the really big thing for me this year is finally, after after three years of trying, I have all three Kodak businesses just <laughs> just, just just on this. So I, so I have the, the the three points of the of the giant yellow triangle just uh, just there. But it, it's great, and I I think you can expect you can expect that list um, to grow because sure. there's yeah you know, we've got twenty seven people on there already. There, I, I would guess from my original list, there's probably about sixty different people, sixty wow. different um, companies, and it's just it's just a question of time, just being able to reach out and connect with with every single one of these people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, w- we'll get a few more on this year, and I'm, I'm hoping next year it's going to be even bigger because the 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 end game for these sponsor gifts is it, it's it's good you know yeah. it's something that that really truly does help support the people who who are right there on the grassroots you know at the grassroots who are giving lessons in 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 schools and mm-hmm. colleges and in in um, kind of you know evening classes and community college and and yeah they might be doing commercial stuff but you know everyone needs to make a living sure um and the hardest thing for me has been not giving examples not giving not giving examples of the kind of people the kind of groups the kind of uh, collectives that do this work um (laughs) because i i I don't you know what it's like you don't want to sway sway opinion um what i would say to anyone who's listening um, and is thinking about nominating someone 
and thinking, oh, well, they've already been nominated by, by a bunch of people, so I won't bother. Don't. That is possibly the most, the worst, most apathetic response that you can have because I had a very similar situation uh, brought up on a podcast that I recorded a couple of months ago. And someone said to me, oh, well, everyone's voted for X, right? Just, just offline. Um, mm-hmm. And the reality was no one had voted for X because they expected that person to have been nominated for uh, already. Wow. So just do it. Just, just go out there and just, just do it. Um, the uh, voting window for the community causes has been extended until the end of December. So we're going to be aiming to to get gifts out to these people um, probably at the end of Jan, beginning of Feb next year. So if there's someone who who you know or who you think or who who essentially does classroom-based activities, provides um, free workshops in their darkroom, goes around traveling, educating and talking to people about film photography, someone who's really just educating, informing and inspiring people in your community and around your community about film photography, go onto immersive.org, click on the big banner at the top of the page and just nominate them. Because if you don't, I can guarantee you no one else will. Good to know. And we'll add that link in our show notes as well. So that way uh, everybody can find that link. So very cool. Well, uh, M, I think it is time to wrap it up. And um, I just want to say thank you again for everything that you do. Thank you for coming on to this show. Um, I know that this time of year uh, can get really bogged down for you and your team. And um, I just want to say that we appreciate uh, everybody that's uh, helping out. Uh, appreciate everybody that's even participating in in all of this and uh, really looking forward to seeing all the tweets on uh, e- emulsive Santa um, on Twitter. So uh, thank you again, it's gonna, sir. It's going to be mad. Oh, it's going to be absolutely mad. <laughs> well, if there's anything that you need help with, please let me know. Um, we are more than happy to help out here on our end. So uh, thank you. Well, we are going to go ahead and close it out with this episode. I'm hoping maybe you can help me again and close this episode out by saying, shoot some film, dang it. Um, well, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, it's really, really appreciated. Anytime I can get to talk about this stuff is just uh, gold. As, as you know, the challenge is to get me to shut up afterwards. Um, but <laughs> let's, not, uh, let's not leave it another 12 months until I come back on again, all right? You have an open invitation on the show anytime, sir. Thank you very much. And in the meantime, you know what to do, right? Yes, I do. You need to go shoot some film photos. Yes. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this episode. And uh, we will see you on the next one. See ya. Bye.